everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here with the flagship show, and I will be accompanied by I Need No Name. We are thrilled to bring you this show. Of course, this is coming on the heels of us being nominated for another World Soccer Talk Award Best Club Podcast. We are the reigning champs. I Need No Name. I know you're psyched about that, just like I am. And before we get into all the topics we want to hit, that was some good news that we got this weekend, wasn't it? Oh, yes. That and... You know the other thing that where we won the title but <laughs> let's 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 not focus on the less important things and talk about how bpw we we do work hard here and it is really validating to see that people will vote for us and people do like what we do here and it do, it does keep us going so thank you guys and please do go vote we will have a link in the description of this podcast and we have also a link on our blog so please go vote and let's see that if we can't beat the EPL podcast for a second season running. Come on, let's go. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we view this as more of a group collective win than just a couple of us that, that actually host these podcasts earning some type of award. We think it's the whole BFW community because honestly, everybody contributes to what we do, whether it's on the website or with the podcast. So we are very grateful to be up for this award again. And uh, like I need no name said, get out there and vote. But I need no name. It is a very interesting time in the history of Bayern Munich. So much up front office gets blown out. Some players are heading for the hills and, and, and getting out of Dodge. This is a very odd time. And I think there's a great place for us to start this podcast. And that's to talk about the striker situation. We are just a little bit under a year. Robert Lewandowski leaving the club. And it's been, what, 11 months? And there's still no solution you know, I was in having that pipe dream that that Erling Holland might really want to play for Bayern Munich. And I still kind of believe that he does, but he ended up going to Manchester City and the rest of that is history. So now we're focused on what does Bayern do next? I need no name. You have seen the names out there. Give me some thoughts. What are you thinking when you see Dusan Vlahovic and some of the other ones like Victor Osimhen, Randall Kolomwani? What are you feeling about all this? Well, my first thought is that these guys are expensive. You know? right. I mean, goodness, the cheapest guy is going to be 100 million, which is quite absurd. And the other thing is that Karim Benzema just decided to go to Saudi Arabia. So that means that Real Madrid are going to be looking for a striker this season. And that means that assuming they get, for example, Harry Kane, which is not guaranteed, but assuming they do get him, then you see other teams such as Man United, for example, who also want a striker, they're going to go for the next person over, which is also going to be buying Munich's chief targets. So I think that our already expensive striker search just got way more expensive because of this unexpected Benzema thing, which we had no control over. The other thing that I just want to point out is that the names themselves, well, I'm not sure if they're necessarily worth all the money that we are talking about. Victor Osman at 150 million euros, that is not that is not a price that Bayern Munich should be willing to pay. And it's not a price that we can pay, really. Like, let's be realistic. Then you have Randall Kolomwani. Frankfurt want at least 100 million, and they have his contract for another four years. So there is no reason for them to budge on that price. Flyovich, I think, is the most reasonable of the lot. I think we can negotiate Juventus down to around 60 million. I, I'm being optimistic here, but I think we can do it. 
and get them down to around 60 million. And I think he would be a really good option for us. He would be the kind of guy who just gets the ball in the back of the net. He has a lot of weaknesses in his game. I'm not going to deny that. He's not he doesn't have an amazing first touch. He's not incredible at hold-up play. Like someone like Chupa Moting probably surpasses him at that. And his passing, that could use some work. But those are things that can necessarily be worked on. And in the meantime, if we put him at the top of, say, for example, a standard 4-2-3-1 with guys like Muller, Baziala, Sane, Coman, etc., feeding him chances, he's going to score a lot in our system. So like, if you were to ask me right now, which striker buying Munich should target, I would say go for Flyovic. And I have been saying that for a long time. Not a long time listeners to the podcast will know that. Yeah, and I, th- I think I'm on the same page with you for, for many of the same reasons. I think it just makes sense at this point. Osaman to me, I, listen, he is a very good player, but he guarantees nothing at $150 million. It's not like it, you had a sure thing like Lewandowski or Holland that was going to come in and produce like they are they are able to. When it comes to Kolo Moani, the interesting thought I've had about this is when it comes to Eintracht Frankfurt, and, and you're 100% right, there's no rush for them to unload him because they control his contract for so long. They can wait this out and see what the market bears. But part of me wonders if they don't think this is a little bit of lightning in a bottle and that they might be willing to capitalize on how hot of a name he is right now and and take $100 million from some sucker that wants to offer it. Uh, the the other interesting thing that you said to me, and, and and this is me loving chaos, when I think about that Real Madrid situation and you, you talk about Harry Kane, what if Real Madrid triggered that 200 million exit clause of Erling Haaland's contract? I know that's a rumor, but a lot of people think that it's there. If they were able to do that, Haaland makes that jump. Harry Kane then might go to Man City. This whole thing could blow up, and it would be so fun to watch. It would make the summer crazy, but that's what I thought about when you were talking through that. But for me, I'm right with you. Vlahovic is the one I would go after. I think financially it makes sense. I do think, just like you do, you surround him with the type of talent that Bayern Munich has. He's going to produce, and I do think the change in environment, just like Matthias the Licht had, would have a positive influence on him. I don't know what they're doing at Juventus, and you might have an idea, much more of an idea than oh, I man. do. Oh, man. Don't get me <laughs> it's started. it's not good. <laughs> don't get me started. It's it, basically Juventus, the way they set up their team, it's almost impossible for any striker to get a large number of chances in the game. Like Vlajevic, if you look at his goal-scoring numbers, they're not that impressive. But then if you look at him in a game, how many chances does he get in a game, in a standard game that Juventus plays? Maybe one or two. It's not like our games where we get, even in our bad games against the most park bus opposition, a striker at Bayern Munich will still get like maybe a good three, four chances to score and then a number of half chances on top of that. So what Vlajevic is doing right now at Juventus, I'm not going to say that it's all on the system at Juventus. Vlajevic has, again, as I said, weaknesses in his game. He is not perfectly suited to that type of football. But it's basically like, he he would just flourish if he came to Bayern. And that's just my opinion. Now, of course, the, I'm not the guy who is going to have to spend 60 to 80 million on him to bring mm-hmm. him in. And there is also the simple fact that Vlajevic has never really hit elite striker numbers in his career yet. He was bought for a huge fee by Juventus because of his potential. And he has not yet lived up to that potential. So these are the potential cons in getting him. But as we saw with Delict, a guy you buy from Juventus, he can show a lot of potential in a new system. So 
that's why I'm pretty bullish about this. And I'm not the only one who thinks so. Tuchel, according to reports, he seems to think so as well. And there's also Lota Mateos in the media. He says that Vlajevic would be a good signing for us. So, like, I guess I'm in decent company, at least when that <laughs> simple thing is concerned. Well, you know, and it's funny with the Tuchel rumors because we have seen so much about Tuchel driving for this transfer. And one of the original reporters that was on this was Fabrizio Romano, who is just about as tied in as anyone in the industry to what is going on, what clubs have interest in certain players. And even when the German media chimed in about, what, two and a half weeks ago to say that, nope, Bayern's not interested, they're moving on, they, they're only interested in Kolomwani and Osimhen right now. He stuck with that story, and then lo and behold, it really did come out that Byron has some interest. In, and going back, you know, reporters like Christian Falk and Florian Plettenberg, who might have initially not been so sure, have have confirmed the interest. But the one thing that, that caught my eye over the past week was the story, and we have no idea if this is true or not, but what we did hear was that Vlahovic wasn't even discussed at the squad planning meeting last Wednesday. And to me, it's either a huge smokescreen that Byron is trying to downplay how much interest they have, or the interest they have in him is a complete smokescreen because they're trying to get someone else. When you saw that, what did you think about it? Because it did surprise me. And again, we don't know if it's true or not, but just to have that report leak out there kind of went counter to what was already being put out by many journalists. I think it's another case of the FCB board operating through the media, setting narratives against each other. So let's think about this for a second. The media tells us that, well, Brazil does not want Vlajevic at this club. And Brazil is no longer in charge. Tuchel is the guy who wants Vlajevic. And Tuchel, well, he wants to be involved in squad planning. I don't know what changed between now and when he was at Chelsea. Maybe it's just that Todd Bowley is such an imbecile, he didn't even want to talk to him. But whatever. Tuchel wants to be involved in squad planning, and he's identified Blavich as the striker that he wants in his system. Now, Tuchel could be wrong, and I should point this out. Tuchel, he wanted Romanu Lukaku at Chelsea, and Chelsea went out and spent an exorbitant amount of money to get him. And then Lukaku was an absolute disaster <laughs> after coming back to England at a, at a club that he's been at before, so like at, in a league that he's played before. So there was no indication that that transfer would have gone as badly as it did. So when Lukaku showed up at Chelsea and his relationship with Tuchel disintegrated pretty much on arrival. So I think the club is aware of that. And I think this is one of those cases of the club trying to push back a little bit on what the coach wants. But on the other hand, I'm just going to have to go with Tuchel on this one because I do think Blavich is not Lukaku. He might be the guy that we need. It's very complicated. And this is one of those things where I wish we had a proper sporting director in charge right now, because it looks like, well, what does it look like? It looks like we really don't have a, a set direction because like it is right now, June, we should have a striker lockdown by July, because if we don't, things are just going to get more and more exponentially expensive. And we don't want to go into preseason with the striker question still not settled, which that would be a disaster in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. I think that if it gets to that point and they don't land one of these three big names that are out there, I'm automatically crossing Harry Kane off the list. But if they don't get Lahovic, Kolo Moani or Osiman, and, and honestly, I don't expect them to even be in the running for Osiman, I think we're going to see, no matter who is in charge, a panic buy. And whether that represents someone like Marcus Turam or, or or someone of that ilk, 
we're not going to see Bayern Munich get someone who is of what probably you and I would think of as the requisite quality to play the number nine position there. Uh, you, you could also go the route that Samarin and I have speculated about, which is uh, Robert Lewandowski returning to the club because Barca needs to clear so much salary that they uh, have to unload some of their big name players. But that is probably a conversation for another day. Either way, I think you're right. I think Vlahovic is the call. But if Bayern cannot procure him, it is going to be a very messy summer and you and I will probably be very busy. And if it's not striker that fans are clamoring to talk about and that the club is pursuing, it's defensive midfielder. And you and I have talked about this a little bit, but the big name that is out there is Declan Rice from West Ham. And right now I am of the belief that there is no Englishman in his prime that is going to leave the Premier League in favor of Bayern Munich. Now, I would love to be wrong about that. I also kind of don't think Bayern needs Declan Rice, but I think if you can get a player like that, then okay, you can go get him. Where are you falling on this? And and based on this cycle of reports that we've seen, you know, we've seen that kind of the nonsense that a deal was about to get done, where I think we all kind of scoffed at that. But throughout all of it, whether someone's speculating about a deal never happening or a deal getting done tomorrow morning, there is some interest, and we've seen Tuchel's been in contact. We've seen the club has been in contact with his family. It does seem like there's something going. So where are you falling on this? What do you think about the whole situation? Well, for me, I I understand the Declan Rice rumors. I understand why Tuchel wants him. But like, is is he really the guy that we really need right now? Is is that really the most pressing um, area where our money can be spent? Because I'm still of the opinion that Joshua Kimmich could be the best defensive midfielder in the world. I agree now, with you. And for whatever reason, we don't want him in that role anymore. And we're willing to spend a lot of money to move him up the pitch. Moving him up the pitch, again, we've already discussed this. So I'm not I'm not going to repeat the whole thing. But that means that Goretzka and Limer suddenly are in competition with Kimmich for place. Limer is supposedly still coming, even though his announcement is... I mean, you know this better than I do. His announcement is still nowhere to be seen. Right. And... In the meantime, we know that the reports out of Germany say that Bayern Munich are in contact with Rice's representatives and his family, which I think lines up with what Bayern Munich usually do. There are reports in England that say that West Ham will not negotiate with anyone until after the Conference League final, which is fine. This is taken by a lot of EPL fans to mean that the reports out of Germany are false because how would Bayern be able to negotiate anything before the club sanctions anything? Well, the thing is that as a foreign club, Bayern Munich do not need West Ham's approval to talk to Rice. So we're doing our usual thing where we talk to the player's representatives and the player himself, get them to agree first, and then move on to the club and, well, make our first offer, which will probably be somewhere in the range of 70 million. And then maybe slowly get talked up to 100 million if such a tactic even works. <laughs> and the first step is going to be to convince the player. And I think I agree with you that it seems like a very long shot. But I also said that about Sadio Mane, what, this time last year? So Bayern Munich have pulled off these feats before, and I still believe in the club's general pull. It's very infuriating to me to see these fans of teams like Arsenal who have not won anything in so long. Like, I, I don't count FA Cups. I don't even watch that competition. <laughs> Things like them talking about Bayern Munich, like we're some second-rate team. Like, 
excuse me, who beat you 10-2? Do we need to remind you of that? Do we need to send the links of Arsenal Fan TV again? And I'm sure Declan Rice will know what he will get if he does move to Bayern Munich. And I don't think that it's as long a shot as some people, at least in the EPL community, think. Like, I, I honestly think some of the discourse around it has been deeply disrespectful. And I hope that we land him, like, money be damned, squad planning be damned, just to prove the narratives wrong about Bayern Munich and show that we can pinch an EPL English star in his prime away from the EPL big wigs, just just for the sake of the narrative. I, I don't know if that's reckless of me, but I just want it to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, listen, I don't think that Bayern Munich lacks attraction. I think that they are an attractive destination to Rice, but it is tough. He's got a young family, including, you know, at this point, these are kids who are probably too young for school, but that does play a role in how he's going to plan out his career. And it's not that schooling can't be done in Germany for his kids or anything like that. But does it, a, a player at that age want to have to go through those extra steps when he can get the same money in England at home? And I think those are fair, I guess, speculations as to why he might not want to move. And, and you and I are probably in the minority when it comes to this. A lot of people do want him at Bayern Munich, including Tuchel, but a lot of fans really want to see him there. And I get it because by all accounts, he's a fantastic player and he could fill a void that Bayern Munich has. But much like you said, Joshua Kimmich is the kind of player, if he committed himself to that role and really dedicated himself to seeing out the responsibilities that are associated with being a defensive midfielder, I think he could be as good as anyone. But does he want to do that? And that's a big question. And to me, right now, I look at that situation and I just see a complete mess. I see Kimmich, Goretzka, Limer, and Gravenberg all competing for the number eight position. At that point, I mean, there are plenty of rumors that that Gravenberg is, is ready to, to punch his ticket and leave anyway. But at that point, if Kimmich does make that move and somehow this Rice trans, transfer goes through, I think we could see a big fallout. I think Goretzka, ahead of the Euro 2024 is not going to want to stick around and risk barely playing. It would lower his value to Germany. Uh, as far as Limer goes, he's walking into a, a buzzsaw right now. I don't know what he thought he was going to get in terms of playing time when he initially agreed to his contract with Bayern Munich. But if Kimmich makes that move, you can assure yourself that Limer will get significantly less playing time than he probably originally thought. One interesting name, and I wanted to bounce this off you because this is me just kind of tinfoil hatting my way through the recent transfer news, is that Tiago Alcantara, the injured Tiago Alcantara, is probably yeah. not being brought back by Liverpool. Would you consider bringing him back on a club-friendly deal to try and make that midfield magic work between Kim oh, yes. and Goretzka? Oh, yes. I, yeah, I don't think it's yep, a bad option. Because like, if you ask any Liverpool fan, whenever Tiago plays, their midfield looks a hundred times better. So he's still got it. His problem is injuries, but that's nothing new. We were already used right. to not not playing with Thiago for around 80% of the time he was at Bayern anyway. So like, it's not like injuries have ever bothered us. Getting Thiago back would be great. And I think, I, I just want to say this, like one of the narratives that gets lost in the entire Declan Rice thing is that who are our alternatives? Have you heard any names that are mentioned as a plan B because I have not. And that no. kind of concerns me about the whole Declan Rice thing. I just wonder what what is the board planning? What is the board C? Either they are 
almost completely convinced that rice is definitely coming or we're going to be let's say two three four five weeks into this entire transfer thing and then if we find out that rice isn't coming what do we do then what do we sit down and like go for a plan b or do we say to Kimmy hey listen we couldn't get this guy and there are no options in the market better than you are so you're just gonna have to play in defensive midfield i think that that's a better option to be honest but like it it does put an element of chaos in the squad planning that was not there previously when i said like i said a few weeks back that Bayern munich are in an overall good position our squad is very good and all we need is like one or two signings but if those one or two signings are as chaotic as what this striker and this defensive midfielder search is turning out to be well who knows what the repercussions could be on the entire team it's it's not it's not pretty right yeah and, and it's it's kind of funny if you think about the, the bigger picture of the midfield and integrating someone like Tiago back into the mix it would allow for a great amount of flexibility because at his stay at this stage of his career I think he could play that six position. You could have this great ability to interchange people like Kimmich, like Thiago, like Goretzka, and Limer. I'm already assuming Gravenberg's going to hit the road, but you could interchange those players and, and use a lot of different combinations, give a lot of rest, keep Thiago healthy. And I do think at some point, which no coach or executive has been successful with, someone is going to need to sit Kimmich down and tell him he can't play every minute of every game. He's now getting older. He's run himself into the ground basically every season where he goes through a lull where his performance drops. He could benefit by less time. And given Gretzka is, you know, good for missing four to five, six games every year with an injury, uh, Limer plays a very high intensity style. He could use some rest. I, I'm not going to totally discount this Tiago thing. Not that there's any formal rumor or any kind of link, but I do think on some level it does make sense, especially if Bayern Munich cannot get Declan Rice. So that's that's sort of where I'm with it. And it sounds like you and I, again, are on the same page. When are we actually going to disagree on something? Well, we disagree gonna, all the time. I, I need but... to ask you about a thing. Okay, so like, how do you see Bayern Munich's midfield? Like, this is something that we have not ignored. Sorry, we have ignored. Is that, how do you see Bayern Munich's midfield functioning once we get Declan Rice? Like, do you see yeah. Rice chemic pivot? I do. And I see Kimmich having that kind of freedom that it seems like he wants right now to get further up the field, to to be more of an offensive player. And Rice really being that stay at home kind of midfielder, winning the ball, getting it out quick to Kimmich, who can facilitate a counter. To me, I think if if this Rice transfer goes through, I almost think that every other midfielder on the roster will become obsolete because I don't think there will be any playing time to go around. Even scrap minutes are going to be tough to come by. And, and like I said, unless there is any kind of coach or executive who can convince Kimmich that he should sit down, we're going to get more of the same. And, and at 24, Rice is not making the jump over to Germany to play three out of four games. He's he's going to be out there almost all the time, and Byron's going to to want to push him out there given how much money they would have to pay for him. I think it could be a very strong combination. I think it would it could absolutely bring some balance to the squad. But to me, I, I still wonder why it's a necessity when I feel like Kimmich could play that same role if he really wanted to. And and it, it's just it's a very confusing situation to think about spending nine figures on a player when you could have someone just as good as him on the roster already. So I, listen, if it happens, I am sure Kimmich and Rice would make a hell of a pivot. 
I just don't know if it's worth it. And it sounds like you've kind of been on this on the same page with that because you know Rice is going to command not just a huge transfer fee, but I'm sure his salary would be at the top scale of the team as well. Well, I I do have a slightly different view here because I think I have been very disappointed in our midfield for this last year and maybe more than that for a while now because I I just don't think that the let's say the area in front of the center backs is protected enough and if we have to like if Kimmich is completely unwilling to do his job in that area of the pitch and if we have to spend a hundred million for Rice to come in and be that guy for us then maybe it could be worth it because let's let me just remind you the last time we spent like we absolutely shattered our record transfer free on a defensive midfielder it got us to treble that was when we got Javi Martinez and Javi Martinez's transfer was very difficult like we basically had to kidnap him from Bilbao to get him yeah. on a plane and get him on his medical so it was like but it did pay off back then there were a lot of questions about his transfer but it did pay off and I see that kind of thing happening again because the way you described a rice and chemic pivot it did remind me of the way Schweinsteiger and Javi worked together in the treble year. It could be the one final thing that maybe pushes us over the edge because there are not many factors that this team needs to go right in order to win a proper treble. Against yeah, Manchester I- City, yeah, it was it was the midfield that made the difference. It was Rodri who scored the opening goal with Kimmich failing to close him down. So it was literally that one small mismatch that led to like a 4-1 or something uh, final scoreline. So... If he can close that gap, it, it might be worth the hundred million or whatever that we are talking about. And if it makes Goretzka or Limer or Ravenberg obsolete, then fine. I I'll trade a Champions League trophy for those. But again, gamble. Yeah, yeah, it it, it is. And and listen, I, I do believe that Bryce and Kimmich together would be great. To me, I just I just have trouble wrapping my head around Rice actually deciding to make this move and. It's this whole part of my brain that doesn't want to to venture too much well, into fantasy, right? <laughs> well, 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 there is one way we can get him, and you know, you know, money talks. We can yeah. pay him a lot of money because we're not poor. Okay, right. we are we are a very um, how should I say? It? We are a very wealthy club, and we are going to be seeing a certain amount of money offloaded from the salary structure. It's it would have been nice if Brazo hadn't given Chupo his massive extension with the double the salary <laughs> that would have been nice but well and it would have been also nice if we weren't also paying Nagelsmann's salary and also Brazos compensation and I don't yeah. know what Khan is getting so it would have been nice too but well we can still pay um potentially Bryce more than what these EPL teams may be willing to offer him and I think that that money could entice him out of England if nothing else does money plus titles plus prestige and all that kind of stuff it's an in, very interesting situation for him. And and if he does decide to make that move, I mean, I think fans will, will, will go crazy. They will be so excited to see him and to think about that possibility of, of Kimmich and Rice anchoring the midfield, you know, and in some ways, I think a lot of people would look forward to a rematch with Manchester city in the champions league. I think they would really like to see that it, it is, it is really fun to think about. I just, I can't see it happening, even with the amount of money. And I, I don't worry about Byron's ability to spend. I, they have the money. They could absolutely spend it on rice. It's just, does this young Englishman want to make this jump? And with his international career tied to England 
and just how big of a star he is over on the island. It's it's kind of funny to think about someone making that move. And, and for future moves, this would be great because I do think it would open the door for other players to consider making such a move, whether it's to Germany or to France. I think if if one big name player can make that move, it could make the future very interesting for the Bundesliga because it would not be off the table any longer. It would be the kind of move that players are willing to make. Well, we have been building up to this, if you think about it, because we started off with, we didn't, we never used to buy from the EPL, but then we started off with Leroy Sané, right? That took a long time, a lot of Mm -hmm. convincing, a lot of money, but we did get a player in his prime from the EPL to our club. Granted, it was a German player, so that's where we had the advantage. Then we moved on to Sadio Mane. We got a player who was not German, a star player for his club, who has won a lot. We brought him in. And granted, he was quite old at that point and was not offered a new contract by Liverpool. So that was a factor. Now, this is the final test. We've been steadily working our way up to totem pole. And this is our test to see if we can get a guy who's young, English, and, well, hotly in demand. Whether we, we're looking at whether Bayern Munich really does have that pull to bring him in and, well, let's see if we can flourish. I, I, this is the part where we needed Brazos, you know, PowerPoints, and, well, <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have that anymore. So I hope that Khan and Oli, they are as convincing as they used to be and get this thing done. I'm sorry, why did they say Khan? KHR. My brain is still, um, still thinking about the previous book. They left quite an impression, you know. No, they certainly did. I think at this point, let's take a quick break and let's jump back in just a few minutes after this commercial. And we can wrap this show up with some thoughts about Brazo, the fallout and the squad planning of what's going to happen next. And also just take a quick look at the current center back situation. As we all know, uh, this is going to be a wild ride if Luca Hernandez and Benjamin Pavar both leave. Uh, Bayern Munich will then be on the market for a new center back, and Thomas Tuchel has a profile that he wants. So bear with us for a minute, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Bavarian Podcast Works. This is the flagship show with Chuck Smith, and I need no name. And let's get right to it. I need no name. We ha- we are in the middle of something crazy at Bayern Munich. Uh, Brazo, Khan, they got blown out. We've talked about at length, but the fallout from all that and the confusion with the squad planning, the really no sense of having a direction as to where this roster is going. Thomas Tuchel all of a sudden holding all of the cards and having a lot of say. There's a lot going on. What's your impression about how things are evolving since the big sacking of last weekend? Well, um, first of all, I think no one cares that Khan is left. Like It doesn't seem to be having any kind of effect. But the fact that Brazo is gone, you can see the effect in our squad planning and what our targets are right now. First of all, you have younger players like Matthew Stell and Ryan Gravenberg. Right now, there are discussions about sending them on loan, which were categorically ruled out under Brazo. Right. The second thing is that you had reports of, well, it wasn't even reports. It was Alfonso Davies' agent himself saying that, well, he doesn't know who, who to contact, who doesn't know who his point of contact is at Bayern Munich. And that's holding up some very critical contract negotiations that may determine the future of this club and much and are much arguably much more important than anything to do with Declan Rice. Then you have, well, the actual transfer targets that we're talking about. Other than Rice and, you know, Kolomoani, Flavich, etc., we don't we, we're not really hearing any um what what should I say? Any project style players that 
Brazil used to like to sign. Like we're not hearing about those younger, talented signings that he used to bring out of the woodwork and expect to integrate into the squad. That is, that seems to be a thing of the past now. Right now, we want to, we seem to want to give Tuko all the tools he wants and needs to win right now. So I think there has been a paradigm shift in what Bayern Munich wants to achieve in this coming season, and it's going to bring a lot of shocks to the squad itself, especially to the players that Brazo himself personally brought over. Those players especially, I think, will be left feeling a little bit, um, how should I say, mistreated by Bayern Munich. And I hope this doesn't like reverberate through the squad because if you, because players in the dressing room, they talk. And if you, well, if you mess around with one player, that kind of comes back to you when another player is trying to extend his contract and he thinks, okay, well, this guy was my friend and this is what Bayern Munich did to him. Maybe I should look elsewhere. That is my chief concern right now. Yeah, and there, I mean, there, are, there has been so much change, whether you want to talk about the coaching change from Nagelsmann to Tuchel, the executive changes that have gone down, and so many players are directly affected by that. And even if you look at a situation like Matisse Tell, under Brazo, he was considered pretty much untouchable. He was going to stay with the first team. Now we're seeing that Tuchel may want to loan him out. And it makes me wonder what that kid is going to experience, what he's going to think, because so far this year, I mean, he's had to go through two different coaches He's seen the sporting director that signed him blown out. He has also been kicked around as maybe not a striker at Bayern Munich, but more of a wing. I think there's a lot of uncertainty, and he's had a very, very good attitude about it all. Certainly better than Ryan Gravenberg has handled things, but but tell us a situation that'll be very interesting to watch. We had seen stories before that Bayern Munich wanted to make this transformation into more of a selling club, and it will be interesting to me if they do loan him out and he has success if they turn around and try and flip him, uh, obviously any striker that they bring in is going to be relatively close to telling age. And, and what I mean by that is if they're going to invest, you know, anywhere from 70 million to 100 million in a striker, it's probably going to be somewhere in that age range of 22 to 24, which with tell not being what, what's he 18 now? It, it's, it's very similar in terms of, of age. And it makes me wonder if just looking at this one individual situation, if, if they see something, if they send him out on loan and he's able to, to start to get offers from other clubs, you know, how Bayern Munich will handle that. And this whole situation to me is very fascinating because under Brazo, there was a, a clear idea of the way things were going to work out, what kind of players that they were going to pursue and there was a clear tact in how they were going to handle big transfers, developmental transfers. Now it's all open. Now there's no sporting director. Uli and, and Carl Heinz Rumenega are going to have to, to do a lot of this legwork, which I still don't know if they have the energy at their respective ages to, to really ramp up and, and go out and close deals like they're going to have to until a sporting director is in place. I, I know I focused a lot on tell there, but... When you look at this roster and you look at some of the players who were quote unquote Brazo players like Ryan Gravenberg, do you think that those players are going to last under Tuchel or, or do you foresee an exodus of, of those kinds of players, whether on loan or transfer this summer? I think they're going to go. I think the, at least the club is going to try and push for a loan because there is no guarantee that Tuchel is going to be here after this season. And it's possible that the whatever coach replaces him is going to want those players back. So 
that's why the club will decide, okay, let's loan them and see if they come back and can be successful here again. Tell is the one that I think is a big tragedy because if Tuchel had given him some minutes, I don't think we would be talking about the striker thing as well as seriously as we are right now because I genuinely think he had the talent or has the talent to be our guy for the next five, ten years. But we never got that chance and Tuchel has demonstrated over and over that he does not trust Tell to be that guy for him. He would much rather have an experienced guy like Chupa Moting, who is not world-class by any means, but he would much rather have that. And that's why he wants that striker in right now who can score goals for him immediately. This is, of course, a very massive failure in squad planning because Tell and Gravenberg, they were not cheap players. And this is another case of us just throwing money down the drain. And like... We can afford it, of course. We are pretty rich, but we can't afford to keep doing it. So, well, I just think that we need to get it right. You know, we need to. I mean, it it can you can sort of get through next season without really a plan because some of these guys will stick around and we might figure something out for an interim solution. But after this, we're gonna need a proper plan of succession for these guys, or just sell them and get the money back because. Like, there is no point in having these guys on the roster just to rot and lose their value and, well, just just not just not doing anything for us on the pitch, you know? Yeah, and that's always been one of my criticisms of Brazo's transfers is that sometimes he, he, is, he was very good at identifying talent. Trying to make that talent fit, however, hasn't always been successful. And there are many instances where he has inked someone, brought them in, and then there's no clear pathway for them to actually show that talent. And that's really, if you look at Tell and you look at Gravenberg, there wasn't really any opportunity for them this year. And for Tell, I think he understood that. He got it. He knew the situation he was walking into. For Gravenberg, he became resentful of the whole thing. And it, it really did blow up on them. I mean, he complained. Th- I, I say this all the time. He complained three times to the media, which... For a young kid at a at a world power club like Bayern Munich to come in and to act that way and to not really have any interest in proving himself, it told me a lot about him as a player so far. I mean, he can obviously mature from this point, but it also told me there's there has to be some kind of flaw in the recruitment system and what he was told because no one would have reacted like that if he did not already know that playing time was going to be hard to come by. And I never understood that. We've seen it happen a couple of times in the past. And now with Brazo out of the picture, I want to see how the club handles those players and handles those situations. Like we said, Tell has been rumored to go out on a loan. Gravenberg is drawing interest from Man United, Liverpool. I mean, he has interest in him. So if, you know, if Uli Honus and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, if they don't believe that Gravenberg is going to play a role, it wouldn't shock me to see them unload him and it all does come back to like you said the squad planning the vision and speaking of that squad planning Thomas Tuchel and and the brain trust there is going to have to do some work now because it does look like Byron is going to lose both Luca Hernandez and Benjamin Pavar I don't think many people saw this coming I had speculated on Hernandez potentially leaving almost a year ago and and believe me even I felt like maybe that was you know reaching a little bit but something always struck me that that you know, he, he might not be the kind of player that wants to really settle down in one location, you know, and be a career type player at a club. 
But either way, we're now at the point where you're losing two really good defenders. I know you don't think Pavard is that good, but <laughs> I'll give him the status <laughs> of really good. <laughs> but I mean, now the club has to go out and get a center back that fits what Thomas Tuchel wants, and he wants a ball-playing center back, someone that can really help with the buildup. I don't even know where to start at this point. I don't know yeah, who's available, um, any of that. Well, I'm going to say something, right? Okay, so... Two things, actually. First of all, oh, you're going to crush I, I have, Pavar, aren't you? Um, you're going to no, kill no, him. No, 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 not, not, not even in the slightest. Not, not this time. Okay, I'm going to say is what I'm going to say is that first of all, I have no idea what Tuchel is talking about when he talks about ball playing center backs because Matias Delict and Dato Pavicano, they are the ball playing center backs in Europe right now. Like, who can you get that's better than them? What does this man want? I don't I understand. understand it that much either like listen i speculated in the comments on our site that that maybe you know tuchel's not a big fan of upamakano and, and upamakano did have his struggles in the second half of the season and you could go back and forth whatever way you want we're all speculating at this point about how tuchel feels about players i, I don't i i'm kind of feeling the same way you are i like listen upamakano had his struggles but overall first half of the season he was rock solid i thought the licked was really really good I thought they were both very good on the ball. Listen, nobody's perfect back there, but I, I don't see this glaring weakness on the team of not having a ball playing center back. I, I just didn't get it. Well, Upa Meccano's, well, progressive passes and progressive carries are in the top percentile of center backs, actually. So there is absolutely no way that Bayern Munich can realistically upgrade on him. So I am completely baffled by the reports that Tuchel wants a ball playing center backs. Like, who the hell does he want? Like, does he want to move a midfielder into center back? Maybe move Kimmich there, see how he likes it. But like, didn't Pep try I, I that? <laughs> yeah, Pep did try that, and it and it was like we beat Juventus with it. So um, yeah, yeah. There is there is the thing that I just don't get what Tuchel really wants, and then there is the other other fact that I need to point out here. If Lucas and Pavard leave, we're not losing two players. We're losing four players yeah. across several positions because Lucas is our left back backup and Pavard is our right back backup. We will need to replace those. Maybe not at right back because we already have Stanisic, but who's going to be our left back backup? If Masrawi is our left back backup, then like say, for example, anything happens to Davies, suddenly you're playing Masrawi and Stanisic as your fullbacks and there is no backup at either. <sighs> I mean, it's, it's a total mess. And at that point, you might want to pay the fee for Joao Cancelo. But if you do that, now, this is another thing that I'm going to get to, is that if you do that, that puts Davies, in my opinion, in danger because I can see Tuchel choosing to play Cancelo over Davies and then Davies getting bitter about that and deciding to leave Bayern Munich. And if Davies leaves Bayern Munich, that also means it's more difficult to extend Jamal Muziala because Jamal Muziala and Davies are friends and we have seen this play out before. So it's, it's a lot of things that go together and it all starts from here where we talk about this backline shakeup to this year and it's all happening in the midst of Bayern Munich having a complete shakeup at the top and no sporting director isn't that fun <laughs> this it is a, a very confounding situation you make a great point about how replacing those two players has such a ripple down effect on the roster and, and we already know that Davies right now his agent has already pushed off negotiations for a year allegedly so we'll see how that goes i mean you know there are also reports out there that that the club is perfectly comfortable with davies and you know they think that everything is good but let me remind you we had heard for months that everything was good with luca hernandez too and that exactly. he was definitely going to sign the deal 
I'm very skeptical about some of the reports that we see. If Davies' agent is that is is really is that committed to pushing this off, it's going to make negotiating with him, whether he means January being a year or next summer being a year, it's going to make negotiations very difficult. And if they were attached to Bradby's entourage, if they were that attached to him, this could be a big issue. And like you said, if you bring in Cancelo, if you bring in Guerrero. It, these are names that these are players that are going to require some time. And these are players that Tuchel has a level of comfort with. And if he does select them over Davies, it could mean that Davies has little to no incentive to really consider a deal with Bayern Munich moving forward. So there are a lot of different angles to this. And when I, when I think about trying to find that third center back to fit into the mix, I just, I can't come up with anyone. I mean, I get it. They, if you're going to play a four, two, three, one, you absolutely need three starting caliber center backs. And I think it's smart in every way because you, it allows you to rotate, allows you to keep them fresh, but you have to find that quality. And can they find someone at the level of Delict and Upamakano out there who will be affordable? I don't know if they can. Uh, well, I can say that they can't because like, I don't know any, how should I say it? I don't know anyone else on the market right now that fits that profile. Like we can probably, I don't know, we can maybe look for, what should I say, a stopgap measure in that regard. But like, who would we even get as a stopgap? Do we, do we call, call up Sergio Ramos and tell him, Hey, <laughs> Hey, don't go, don't go to Saudi Arabia just yet. Win, win a Bundesliga title before you go. We can do that. I, I, I guess, but. <laughs> like it's it's not something ideal and you just brought up rafa guerrero and uh i had actually forgotten about this because i have been out of the loop a little bit for the last week i've been a, i've not been that uh into Bayern Munich news for the last week or so so guerrero what the hell is up with the guerrero rumors <laughs> why do we want rafa guerrero i like he's a he's a decent player good player for bbb but what's he gonna do with Bayern? why does tuchel want him what is what? There are only two things I can think of. He's free, and he is a Tuchel guy. And what? at this point, it is it is fair to wonder if Tuchel's going to start bringing in his guys, quote unquote. How does that affect the locker room? How does that affect squad planning? I mean, what's free- what's next? Mason Mount? <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to edit that swear out. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, listen, it could maybe it's Mason Mount. Who knows? But. I don't I don't understand where the line is going to be drawn here. I understand that Guerrero being a free transfer is attractive to Bayern Munich, right? No money attached to it. Why not? But there could be a trickle down effect on Davies. I don't know how happy and Masraoui and Masraoui and even Stanisic to a to an extent. Because we, we extended limit- we extended Stanisic, so that's one side that is at least covered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he like listen. Stanisic is what he is at this point. Until he yeah. is able to get out on the field consistently and prove himself, we're going to think he's got some talent, but we won't know if he can. Well, put he it did all prove himself against PSG, and that wasn't yes. enough because no, and, because and it wasn't. You're right. Matsuri is just so much better, and that's Stanisic's whole problem. That he is what a lion in a team full of dragons. It's it's ridiculous for him. Yeah, he's got some good parts to him in that he can shift in and play center back. He can play the six if needed as well. So his type of versatility, I get it. And that would be attractive to any coach, not just Thomas Tuchel. But at some point, when they look at the squad planning for the back line, they are going to have to figure this out. And right now, it doesn't seem like they have an idea of where they're going yet. And that is a little bit concerning. One thing that has been mentioned is that Bayern Munich will not allow 
Lucas and Pavard to both leave in the same window. So if you had to let a single one leave, which one would it be? I would probably, and this sounds weird, I would probably let Lucas go now because I believe he's going to bring more money into this summer transfer window. One, it's PSG. Two, he's a higher rated player. So I, I feel like if you let him go, you have Davies there. You have Mizrahi who can play left back as well. Like you've got some coverage. With Pavar, it's it's a little bit harder to replace just because, he, one, he, he's been very good this year at center back. I don't think he's got quite the value that Hernandez does. So I feel like you could either sell him during the winter if you had to. Um, and, and I'm not saying he would move in January, but you could at least do that, that pre-transfer type of deal. I just feel like with Hernandez, if he's already made that decision and he's got his mind made up that he's leaving, you you should capitalize and get the money now that you need to go out and get that striker or to help pay for Declan Rice. Uh, just that income in my mind is going to be far more important. And, and Hernandez will could, you know, he could bring in as much as what, 20 to 30 million more than Pavar. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. And there's also the matter of Hernandez's recurrent injuries. Like if he decides to keep Hernandez over Pavar, you just have to think about how many games will he play in the upcoming season. If he stays fit, then mm -hmm. obviously he offers more than Pavar on the pitch, in my opinion. I think he's a better defender. But Assuming that he only plays maybe 30 or 40% of the games versus Pavard, who is generally available, like he's almost been bulletproof for most of the time he's been at Bayern Munich, like knock on wood. It's <laughs> it's um it's almost a no-brainer in that case. And Pavard does not seem to have any concrete suitors right now, except for FC Barcelona, who are broke and cannot pay for anything. So at that point, you just have to say, "Hey, sorry, Benji, you have to stay for one more year. We can't, we can't really replace you." And I think it's at, at least that's a little bit of a reassuring thing that we like. It's not, it's never good to miss out on a transfer fee, right? But it's worse to well miss out on trophies because you have a massive hole in the squad that we weren't able to fill. Maybe next season we'll have some big centre backs options on the market that we can use to replace Pavard, or maybe in the course of the next what, six, seven months, we can even convince Pavard to extend his contract if he, for example, finds a role that he likes under Thomas Tupel. Anything could happen. So I can't believe I'm saying this. I can't believe it's me saying this, <laughs> but I would I would keep Benjamin Pavard and not Lucas Hernandez. Now, this is, this is a groundbreaking moment here for the podcast, and this is probably why we should get an award, because after... Killing this guy for years, you have turned around and now Look, I, to say, this is, I, I, this is the kind this of move is, that I usually is, make, not shows, you. <laughs> this just shows that I am I, I am not in my right mind right now. Maybe next week I will be back and saying, no, 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 don't don't keep Pavard. Please sell him for 40 million to Barcelona. And See, I, I, I don't know. I give you credit and say this is showing you're willing to evolve, but now you're going to you're gonna come back in a week and you're going to bash Pavard. The world will be right once again. But I need no name. I think that is probably the perfect way to end this show because it can't. It cannot get any better than you saying something nice about Pavard. It's going to send the entire Bavarian don't, podcast works listener base don't off jinx on a it. good note. Don't <laughs> jinx it. After after the season we've had, why would you jinx it? Exactly, exactly. So listen, I had a great time doing this with you. I like when we get a chance to yeah. hook up. I don't. I don't get to do this too often with many of you just because of timing, but uh. It was a great experience to do this podcast with you. I need no name. Uh, I look forward to doing another one soon enough. Yep. Same here. Thank you for listening, everyone. You can find us on 
any podcasting platform that you follow, Spotify, Google, Apple, whichever one you like. And you can find us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works. The award that Chuck mentioned, in case you have forgotten, it was the World Soccer Talk Best Club Podcast Award. You will have a link in the podcast description to go and vote. So please do vote for us. And well, that's it from me and Chuck. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Good night.